0: Welcome everyone. We're live from Sunshine Marketplace in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Sunshine Live on Live FM. My name is Bianca and my fellow co-hosts from Sunshine today are Abul Fazul, Ki, Ziad and Cooper. And our special guest
1: today is Tamara Odine.
0: How are you going, Tamara? Hello.
1: It is very exciting to be here on the radio with you guys. Um, Starting off with our first question, how did you become a newsreader? What what was like the
0: process you took?
1: Well, it was actually a bit of an accident, really. I'm a journalist Mm -hmm. and I had been working in the TV industry for quite some time. I got a job working at the ABC in Melbourne for our Asia Pacific newsroom. And we ran a breakfast news program there every day with a very small team. And I was a reporter on that team. So there were four of us. Me, the reporter, we had a presenter, Michelle Fonseca, we had a producer and a director. The catch is, is that we had to start work at 4 o'clock in the morning every day. So I had to wake up at quarter past 3am to get to work on time. Because we had such a small team, who are you going to call at 3am when you're sick? So our presenter or our newsreader was sick one day and I got to work and my boss said, you, you're in. So I didn't actually have a choice. Uh, And it was a real sink or swim kind of moment. And sometimes I think those sorts of moments are what leads to good opportunities and big changes in your life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Can you share some insights into a typical day in your role as an ABC television newsreader? Yes.
1: Yes. So every morning when I wake up, before I even get out of bed, I am reading the newspapers to see what's happened overnight. There's quite a lot of international news happening at the moment, so that's happening very much outside of our time zone. So while we're asleep, all sorts of things are happening in the world that I need to figure out what's going on when I wake up in the morning. At 8 o'clock every morning, our news team has a phone conference So we speak to our chief of staff who's in charge of how we're going to resource covering the news each day. They're in charge of all of the journalists and the camera crews, so they go out and gather the news content every day. And we also speak with our producer, so they're in charge of lining up what our bulletin at 7 o'clock on the ABC is going to look like. So we do that at 8 o'clock. Then I also work as a voice trainer for broadcasters. So I teach people how to sound natural on air. And through your media studies, you've probably discovered already that it's hard to sound natural when you're reading scripts. So that's what I do every day. I do about an hour and a half of training with all of the cadet journalists, so the, the new baby journalists at the ABC. And then I go into the newsroom at about 1 o'clock and that's when all of the stories start to flow in through the day and I work with the producer to build the rundown or the program and then we go to air live at 7 o'clock at night. So when you hear the music on the TV, that's when I'm hearing it as well. There's no delay. It's 100% live. And then at 7.30 when I say, and that's it from the news team for now, stay with us now for 7.30 with Sarah Ferguson, That's the end of my day. I take my microphone off and my earpiece out and I wrap it up and go home and start all over again the next day. Yep. Um, You said you help people sound natural. Do you have any tips for sounding natural? Yes, I do. So when we read, unfortunately all of the colour and meaning and excitement and interest goes out of our voice or our intonation, things that we do fairly subconsciously, to make ourselves interesting to listen to. So it's a matter of when you're reading a script, figuring out where the meaning lies in each sentence. So I, every day when I'm writing my scripts, I will format them for where the interesting words are and then I'll do something with my voice to lean into those words to make them interesting to listen to. And so that I sound more like how I sound now while I'm talking to you so that it's not a very bland robotic read i'm i go into it more with the idea of telling the story rather than just reading it
2: um what is the news reporter um is in your opinion and would you consider is a important role in that field
1: what is an important role in news reporting?
2: Uh, what you consider your uh, your role, your uh,
1: important role in the news? My role as a newsreader is almost like an MC or a Master of Ceremonies, so I'm introducing stories that we've been out covering all day, not just around Melbourne and Victoria, nationally, but also overseas as well. And I'm there to work as the link between, okay, here's what we're leading with tonight, this is what you need to know first, and we come out of that story, go into the next one, and it's my job to sort of be the link between all of those stories to hold it all together.
0: Mm. Um, If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunshine Live and Live FM from Sunshine Marketplace in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Bianca and my fellow co-host from Sunshine College today are Abu Fazl, Ki, Ziad and Cooper. And our special guest today is Tamara
1: O'Dine. Tamara, how do you feel about working in the news industry? What are the positives and negatives? I love working in news because every day is different. I'm very curious about what's going on in the world. and I like to know how things work and why they work that way. I'm also really interested in talking to people and finding out what they're interested in as well. So for me, working in news is the perfect blend of something different every day, but also figuring out how the world around me works. It's also interesting and very important in journalism that you are holding powerful people who make the decisions that affect us every day, so people in government, that you hold them to account and you ask them how they're doing things and why. You can shine a light on people who need help or who need, who are vulnerable as well as a journalist. Uh,
0: tomorrow. What is your relationship, like, your news team? Like, how do you interact with them? Do you just, like, be like, oh, they're my colleagues or do you see them as, like, your friends?
1: That's an excellent question because I have been talking recently with my friends outside of the newsroom about the fact that one of the favourite parts of my job, is the people who I work with. So I work very closely indeed with the lineup producer or the supervising producer for each bulletin and we sit opposite each other and we riff over the top of our computers constantly about how we're going to write something, how we should be covering something, how our running order should look, what's going to flow best. It's a very collaborative approach to putting the news together and also the people who I work with are really funny lovely people and sometimes when you're dealing with a lot of death and destruction, really sad news, it's important I think to be able to find the lightness in each day. At the moment you might have noticed if you're tuning into what's going on around the world there's a lot of sad stories around so I think it's important that you can find some balance in a workplace like that.
2: Um, you just talk about a sad story around right? Uh, when you have a difficult and sensitive news you need to read. How do you um, hold your emotion and you hold your composure?
1: There's a real trick to it uh, because the story is not about me. So, mm. even this week, I had a moment during one of the stories. So, we're live to where you can't see me when we're watching a story, but I've just read an intro about the Israel Gaza war, <laughs> and there was a picture in there of lots of premature babies that had been taken out of humidity cribs and all lined up on a bed together i Mm. found that very affecting in that moment i'm trying to take lots of deep breaths and remind myself that i am not the news here i can have a moment about that later but not in that moment. Mm. Later on in that story, the reporter, our correspondent, Alison Horn, who's our Middle East correspondent, she was interviewing a woman and they were walking through the wreckage of a home that had been bombed. And the woman started crying in this story. And Alison, in her flak jacket and bulletproof vest and all the rest of it, helmet, walked up to her and just put her arms around her. And that just about brought me undone for some reason I'd been holding on but then thought oh no I'm gonna cry. I think it's important to feel all of those things. The the day that you stop responding to sad things in a human way I think is the day that you should probably step away but it's also important to know how to hold on to that for later. So something that I advise people who are just starting out in anchoring positions, if you do feel that you're going to lose your mettle a little bit and be upset, and this goes for if you've got to sing in public or if you have to speak at a funeral even, you can get all in your head about your emotions. So the best way to break that circuit is to suddenly plunge all of your attention and focus into the soles of your feet. could help if you're nervous while you're doing a radio show mm. too, by the way. Just start to think of the skin of your feet holding onto the inside of your socks, touching the inside of your shoes, and suddenly that just gets you out of your own head where you feel all hot and teary up here, and you can focus on your feet just to try and get control of your emotions. Yeah. Does your job include on-site slash fieldwork news reading? If so, is it a regular part of your role? It's not at the moment, but I have done it in the past. It all depends on the story. These days, if something big happens like a huge bushfire event, a big flooding event, we're more likely to send another journalist out into the field and they'll do what's called a sub-host. So they'll host from the field live that night, uh, throwing to all of the packages pertaining to that issue. Haven't done it for a number of years, but we do, in the lead-up to elections, particularly state elections, go out and do stories and specials about issues that voters are going to have to consider.
2: Um, What roles in the new team make up? Uh... Uh, what do you do each like (laughs) exactly
1: what does everybody do in a newsroom yeah all right so on our production desk i mentioned before the supervising producer who i work very closely with it's their job to build the show every night then we've got our chief of staff so it's kind of like the headmaster if you like of a newsroom they know where everybody is at any given time and how we're going to send resources to each story they also know how we're going to be covering it for all of the different platforms that we service at the abc we work for tv radio and online and at the abc we have uh philosophy of audience first so we're constantly thinking of how are we going to get this story to our audience correctly Mm. as soon as possible so we file for online when there's breaking news Mm. we file for radio and we try and get up on tv as soon as we can too
2: um if you work at a team like do you have any time that you're like conflict in opinions and like um, argue or something like that?
1: There aren't any arguments, but I would say that there are robust discussions yeah. around how we might cover an issue because, of course, our role is to provide unbiased coverage that Captures all of the opinions around it to provide a balanced report. Mm -hmm. So there aren't any arguments, there's no stand up drama, it's not like some dramatized. TV shows about newsrooms. Called, there's one called The Newsroom. If you're watching Morning Wars, it's not really like that. That's a dramatized version of it. And in in my newsroom, at least, everybody speaks very kindly to each other. So there's not a lot of swearing at each other or arguments or anything like that. If there is an issue, we can very uh, easily nut it out with respectful language.
2: Yes. What do you do when you make a mistake? Live and do you do anything about it to solve the mistake or just
1: let it be it depends what the mistake is the way that i look at it is when we're all talking to each other in a normal conversation quite often you'll fall over a word and it's not a big deal when you're just talking to your friends or someone you know really well so i try and take that idea with me onto the news desk when I first started newsreading, I did something very silly, which I learnt from. And I started to keep a mental tally of how many shows I could do with not a single mistake. Silly idea, because what that meant was as soon as I did make a mistake, you could see me looking really down on myself, going, Oh no, I made it to 11 shows in a row. Now I'm going to have to start the tally from scratch. A much better way about going about that is to try and take any little mistake in your stride. So last night's a great example. I fluffed a word and I just kept moving. You don't need to draw attention to it. Just do it like you would normally do in your real life and move on. My main aim as a news anchor is to sound conversational and natural. And that's where you get warmth, connection with an audience and authority from not by mentally keeping a tally of how many perfect bulletins you can do um going on the theme
0: of mistakes what happens if there's like an unexpected challenge or a technical like issue during it do you
1: have to like stop or is it just like we'll do it while we're going like stopping is not an option when you're live on air. And I always try and keep in mind that the real stress happens in the control room. So when I'm sitting there and you see me in that square sitting at that desk, I've got an earpiece in my ear that's open to the studio control room. And in that control room, that's where all of the directors, the directors sit with the technical directors as well and the producer. They drive the entire show technically. We don't even have camera operators on the studio floor anymore, it's all robotic. So the director has a little remote control, they get the cameras into place, they check my audio levels, they code everything so that the whole system knows how to play the stories. So I'll read the intro, then the system kicks in to roll the stories. If, as often you will get problems with computers, if there's a problem, It's not my role to fix it. It's my role to stay calm and just keep talking until we can roll the right story. So we've had a few instances in the past where we've rolled the wrong package. So we've introduced a cricket story, we've played an AFL story. So in the background, you can't hear this when you're sitting at home, but in the background there are people in the control room going, oh, it's the wrong story, quick. We're coming back to you in five seconds, Tam, quickly. And so I'll be sitting there trying to remain very calm and then they'll cut back to me. I can hear them in my earpiece scrambling to sort of try and get the right cricket story there. And I will just say, well... If you thought that was not cricket you would be right sorry about that we've rolled the wrong story we'll see if we can sort it out and come back to it later moving on so my role is just to sort of smooth everything over and keep the show moving while the hamsters in the wheel in the background are going flat out to try and fix the problem
2: um, do you face any like, challenge in like, staying objective in your reporting?
1: No, because that is something that we work very, very hard to ensure no matter what the story is. Yeah. It is our role as journalists to test all of the arguments. So if you were in the business of not being objective, you'd probably be working in advertising or somewhere else. As a journalist, you need to prosecute all of the arguments. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: if you could change one thing about the field no, no sorry, if you could change one thing about the field of news reporting, would, would you change something?
1: Time is probably something that is very sensitive in news reporting. Because as I mentioned before, we are audience first, so it's about getting accurate, reliable, trustworthy information out there soon as and verified information as soon as possible whereas the more time you have to finesse all of this the better so unfortunately time's not elastic when it comes to deadlines but i would say that more time the better to actually craft a story but i mean that's also the skill is to get good at writing something clean quickly in regards to the rise of media-based news outlets, what trends do you foresee for the future of television news broadcasting?
0: How do you think they might shape the news industry?
1: Well, I'd like to ask you an interesting question to start with. How many of you actually sit down at 7 o'clock and watch the news? There's no judgment here. Show of hands. Mm-hmm. Occasionally. Occasionally? Yeah. Kind of. Okay, well, I'm going to take that as rarely
2: mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs>
1: because your generation has grown up with very much an on-demand kind of consumption of media there is a television and different options for you to find out what's going on in the world in the palm of your hand in the form of your phone so what's called appointment viewing people sitting down at a prescribed time which is quite a foreign idea to you guys you can watch anything that you want at any time that you choose that is the main issue at the moment when it comes to something that i do which is appointment viewing so what we're doing increasingly at the abc is we are taking our Content to our audience at all times of day. So you don't necessarily just need to sit down at seven o'clock to watch what's going on each day. You can do it whenever you want. That is the biggest challenge and the biggest change to my specific role at the ABC and within the media industry.
0: Okay. See, yeah,
1: sure Adam,
0: can you share some memorable or impactful experiences you've had during your career?
1: Yes, I travelled to Banda Aceh uh, a short time after the Boxing Day tsunami. Banda Aceh in Indonesia was one of the places that was just swept away by the waves. So going in there a few months afterwards was a very interesting experience. I filmed all of my own stories there and they went to air on a late night news program. Uh, It was tough just because conditions were very tricky. You didn't sort of have all of the things that you needed to go on a trip necessarily because there wasn't the infrastructure in the town. So it was a really valuable experience to work in a situation like that. And what really shone through was people's resilience and generosity in sharing their stories at a really tragic and sad, difficult time for them. There have been lots of happy stories, obviously, that I've worked on as well. As well as working uh, in television, I also work in radio from time to time. So that is a very different medium because you're constantly talking while it's live. You get direct contact with the audience in the form of talkback calls. So people will text you, let you know what they're thinking, ask questions of the guests that you have on the show tell you how they think you're going which is also a very interesting thing to have happen getting real-time feedback from listeners but also having interesting conversations and as I mentioned at the outset of this interview I'm curious about what people think and how they live and what they know so that sort of really works for me because I get to scratch that itch too For someone hoping for a career in news broadcasting, what would be your top piece of advice to excel in that field? Look at the way that you, you tell stories. What are you interested in? If there's something that you're interested in investigating, there's nothing stopping you from going doing that. You've got the world at your fingertips when it comes to the internet these days. It's very easy to get in touch with people and ask them questions as well. Oftentimes now, as distinct from 25 years ago when I started in this industry, people are coming to us, young journalists straight out of uni are coming to us as fully formed journalists. They've got their own podcasts, they've got their own blog, they're writing their own stories about all sorts of things. It's not a matter of you have to be in a newsroom to do this. So if you're interested in journalism, start writing start asking questions start trying to compile your content into some way that you can get it out there i know lots of young people have got their own youtube channel for example there's nothing stopping you from doing that you've got a camera in your phone you can be making short stories if that's what you're interested in as well if you do want to work in a newsroom i think the best way in and this is how i got my very first job in television is to do work experience So I did work experience on a children's television program uh, at Channel 10 in Brisbane, where I'm from, and ended up getting a job answering children's letters. So that was my in. You can't be picky necessarily about what you're doing as long as you can get in there. And then I was studying journalism at the time, so I would just walk through the newsroom, Put my latest story on the news director's desk and say that's what i've done recently would love some feedback um
0: i'd like to thank you tomorrow because that's all we have time for today. um it's been a pleasure talking to you um we're live from sunshine marketplace in melbourne australia you've been listening to sunshine live on live fm my name is bianca and the co-hosts today were Abel fazil Ziad, Ziad and cooper and our special guest today was tamara odin <laughs> thank you for joining us i hope uh, i hope you found the information today useful um, have a great day Yay!